0: Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we want to congratulate Ian on the success of reaching over one million downloads in less than a year. That's a really big deal, and we owe you guys a lot of thanks for that, for all the momentum, taking this thing forward and helping to blow it up. So big, big thanks to you all, and keep sharing with your friends and family. All right. A couple of things coming up here before we get to Ian and our guest. Our guest today is one of my favorite peoples. You're going to love him. But uh, I need to tell you about a couple of things. Ian will be speaking at LeaderCast this coming Friday, May 4th in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you can't make it to Atlanta, you can find a location near you to watch LeaderCast when you sign up at live.leadercast.com. That's L-I-V-E. Dot L-E-A-D-E-R-C-A-S-T.com. That's LiveLeaderCast.com. And number two, we're super excited to announce right here in our own backyard in Nashville, Tennessee, May 17th and 18th, an Enneagram two-day interactive learning experience. All right, how many of you are ready to move beyond merely knowing your number into a far greater understanding of your specific personality type? I know there has to be a ton of you out there, right? Well, Ian will be hosting this two-day workshop to teach you and give you the tools to dramatically improve the way that you work, lead, and care for all of those people around you. So make sure you check out T-H-E-I-X dot co. That's T-H-E-I-X dot C-O. The nine, but it's spelt like the Roman numeral IX, the nine dot co, T H E I X dot co, and sign up today because I'm telling you, it's going to be great, and the number is limited, so you want to jump on that one. Lastly, make sure you stick around to the very end because we are going to feature a song that Ian and our guest wrote together, so be sure and stick around for that. And now, here's the host of our show, Ian Cron.
1: David Gunger, how are you, my brother? Ian, I'm so well, and I love you. It's so good to be here with you. Thank you for having me. Oh man, I love you
2: too, and I miss you. I, I miss our our times together in Manhattan and our times together out in Connecticut and uh, just man, just having a sort of a regular David Gunger infusion. It's not uh, my diet is sorely missing that that nutrient.
1: I, we need to make that change we somehow need to find a way to uh to get together more often.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're making time to to get together uh with us today and I know that the folks who who listen to typology will benefit from what you have to say cuz you're a a longtime student or uh, you know of the enneagram. You're you know, you have a lot more knowledge of it than the average bear. And um, I want to just alert people to something that's fascinating, and I was thinking about this on the drive over to the studio this morning, was how hard it was for a while for you to figure out your type. Like, we were going between four, we
1: were going to eight. What else do we have? Four, eight, and what else? I, I originally thought I was a seven. My father's a seven, my brother, Rob, is a seven, and Gunger's like to party, so I thought I was a seven. And then... Uh, hanging out with you uh, from a very I remember the first time I told you I was a seven you just looked at me quizzically and just like buddy you don't know what you're talking about and I remember I was in your oh no I didn't say that you didn't I didn't say that that, but you we were actually in this was the first time I ever met you Uh, we were in your lovely home before you went back to the east coast you were in you were in Franklin and uh, you know I'm meeting you and I was I had heard so much about you and you were, I always say, you know, one of the, this is a side note and I don't mean to just, you know, butter you up here, but the first time that we met, I was in a kind of a crisis of my own faith and life and identity and figuring out what I wanted to do. And you had steered me in this direction. And I just, at that moment had fallen in love with you in, in a way of, um, as a spiritual mentor for me and a brother that I just I, I loved you dearly. And I, I remember telling you, I, I think I'm a seven and being so confident, in it, and you just giving me a look of like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and <laughs> so later on, you know, we had spent much more time together, and later on, you the first time that uh, you and Suzanne had. Uh, I don't know if it was the first time you guys had done something together, but it was, you were leading a a retreat together and it was the first time that I got to go to it in Connecticut. And, uh, in the thing, you know, everybody's saying, do you think you know what you are? And I thought I knew what I was. I thought I was a seven. And I remember that night learning through everything. The seven, the thing about the seven that didn't quite make sense was sevens avoid pain And I don't avoid pain at all. I kind of lean into the moment of uh, discomfort or, or darkness. And that night I played some music and I played it. And Suzanne told me, oh, honey, you're not a seven. I think you might be a four. And then I loved that idea because I had so many friends that were fours. And the four has actually a lot of, well, in my opinion, has a lot of things kind of similar to an eight in that they're both individualists, um, both passionate, both very passionate and both can enter into darkness and into themes mm-hmm. of, uh, that are not just happy and, and care about justice, you know? Um, and so I lived as a four for like, I don't know, probably a good six months. And the next time we, we saw each other, it's something I really lived into my fourness. I'm like, I love this. I, I loved being a four, but I remember my brother, Michael, um, just just telling me straight up, man, I don't think you're a four. I really, I've known you since you're a kid. I think you're an eight. And I'm just like, that, how dare you? I am not an eight. I never would want to be an eight. Eights, I thought, were the biggest jackals. I didn't have many eight friends. I just was like, this is no. And then talking to my wife, and my wife was the was the final. Kate said to me, um, I laughed because she she kept on kind of dropping these hints that, I really think you're an eight. And then the final thing was, you know, fours, the, the thing that fours struggle with, um, is they struggle with, envy. Careful. with envy, careful, right? Yes. And yes, we do. My wife said, so you're going to tell me that you're envious of anyone. And right away I laughed because in our marriage, she knows me and, I don't get envious. I don't ever have, I'm a bald man. You know, I went bald at an early age. And of course I'd maybe be like, Oh, I love that hair. I wish I had hair, but I would never like I'm me. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like try to be something I'm not. And she knows that about me. So she kind of, you know, pokes me a little and says, so you, you're going to tell me, that you're envious over being lustful and she just caught me in my tracks and right away I thought oh I better lean into like learning more about 8 and then talking with my family and talking with people that know me Michael my coworker and learning more about 8s and like oh my gosh I am I am just of course I'm an 8 so it took me you know a couple of years and yep. and I I've gone to you know like five different enneagram type workshop boot you know, boot camp type things. And I think it was by the third one that I finally embraced. Okay. I'm an eight, you know? Um, and and that's where I'm at today. Now I love what you say. And I'm sure you've said this a million times uh, on your podcast, but I love that you, you talk about, you know, if you're going to say, do you, what's your favorite color? And you're going to say blue, how many shades of blue there are. I'm going to definitely say that my, I'm a, I'm a unique eight and that I lean real hard seven And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I still, even though I really have embraced the eight thing, there are a lot of characteristics about eight that sometimes maybe from my own background or my own ego or whatever you want to say that I kind of push against. Like I'm not the typical eight in that I, I have to be, well, not that all eights are this way, but I, I know the shadow side of eight so much that I never want to be the, the only guy in charge or the only leader. Cause I just don't really trust dates. <laughs> and so, so right. I kind of like, I just don't want to have anyone that's a controlling leader over me. <laughs> and So the people that I work with right now, what's really great is that we have a great working relationship because I'm an eight, he's a three. And, uh, and with John, the, my other partner in, in uh, music uh, I think you got the double eight zone, which is kind of a funny thing because it's either, you know, fireworks or, or beauty, whatever you want to say. So
2: it's John is an eight. Yeah. Yeah. I did not now. I thought I, why did I think John was a 5? Well, didn't you tell I me he was a 5? I thought he was
1: a 5 forever, but then I actually think if you know where 8s go to and, <laughs> and oh, I don't want to oh talk. I do. We can't talk about oh, we can talk about this. John John would be so pissed at me if I said he is an 8. He is not. He's the t- he's still the person that's like, uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to fully buy, you know, I'm not going to fully get into that yet. So, um but if you know, you know when you know, you know, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, we're 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 a couple of eights. So, um, but well, yeah, I mean, but you guys share a line. Mine. It's
2: it's a, it actually is amazing though how many fives are in your life. Kate's a five, right?
1: So what's funny is, and this is just the uh, experience oh no, has this changed? Man, has she, the weather changed? The weather, on Kate, she changes every day, but she knows she really thinks she's a four, and she wants to be she wants to be a four. And she's with four with a five wing, and there's always. Well, I really, like,
2: I would like to be a tanker truck, but know, that, that doesn't I know, really mean. <laughs> I know.
1: But she, she, does. If you were going to go on, and I, this is where, like, you know, not that. This is where it's funny because how much that um, vice actually can sometimes be like, ah, kind of can bring a little clarity. She resonates more with four on a lot of things and on big things that are like right. vices and those things like four really does, um, come up more and she is kind of landed there, but she still likes in her own individuality. She sometimes, you know, she, she thinks she could wander. I think she loves nine. So the future of humanity. She just she wants to be a nine, I think. Her dad is a nine, I think. And uh and she sometimes thinks that or else, you know, five or three, but she she's a four.
2: Well, I mean, you've said two things that are really helpful for people. One is and I uh I, I, I like to remind people of this all the time, it can take a long time to figure this out. It's not like, you know, you know, going on Vogue magazine and taking a personality quiz, you know, and like, or coming up with, Oh, here's my spirit animal. You know, it's like, no, actually this thing's pretty intense. And when you really make a commitment to trying to figure out your way of being in the world, you know, your dominant way of being in the world, I mean, it can take a while. And part of the problem is, is that you're (laughs) the part, the problem with personality sometimes is it's always with you. So you, you really can't step outside of this mystery and, and objectively, you know, diagnose it. And it, so it, it's a wonderful journey, and, but oftentimes a frustrating one. took me 10 months, took you some time, it's taking Kate some time.
1: But I think the journey is worth it. I think what it breeds and it's the, the most thing that it's the biggest thing that it's been helpful for for us is relationships. And it's a, it's a type of language that breeds empathy. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes one of the reasons why it's hard for us to find our numbers is because we're the last people we want to be empathetic about. Um, oh. And so I, I think it gets us in a place of... Um, you know, our ego has so much... We project what we want to be or what we feel or our pain or whatever. And trying to get back to that that essence idea of, well, what is the what is the thing I'm missing? What is the thing? What are these... Uh, what is this language that helps us see um i think others first and then it really helps us kind of balance out and in that wrestling with it uh it kind of builds a muscle of empathy and so for us it's mm-hmm. just it's been it's been huge for our working relationships and really for our marriage um mm-hmm. and for our friendships our family uh to try to see the world the way they see it
2: yeah i think that's so much of the end game right is that you You have access uh, to all nine lenses and the ability uh, to swap them out to understand in any given moment how a person is seeing the world, how it differs from the way you do. Uh, It helps you then avoid flying into reactivity because people are responding in a way that you don't understand and it may be rubbing you in some strange way or it's, you know, firing something in you uh, that, you know, is hard to understand, but it's, you know, it, it just helps on so many levels to have this kind of wisdom and that's what it is, right? It's not just intelligence. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of wisdom that is, you know, incredibly helpful to, to self-development. So let's go back to this idea of fives. Cause I thought you were going to, now everybody in your life is changing, which is completely screwing me up. But, it, but it, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, what I was going to say was Originally, you just have so many fives. Michael's a said, five. Is my, Michael still a five Michael or has he Michael is changed? a five.
1: Michael is a five. And I like five. I think, uh, you know, fives have... Oh, man. F- fives, I feel like uh, fours think they're the most unique number. I think fives are the most unique number. <laughs> they are. Uh, I I Some of my favorite people and thinkers and friends are fives. And I'm friends with... It's funny I say this. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of... Oddly, a lot of threes, a lot of fours and fives end up in my life for some reason. Um, I don't know if that's because of where I live or because of my profession, whatever that is. Um, but three, fours and fives end up in my life. And a lot of times um, for the fives, it's interesting because an eight can you know, obviously go to five. And my relationship with going into that kind of lens of... Almost using knowledge as a power or a trump card or something can be dark so to see a healthy five actually a lot of times is like they become spiritual leaders in my life (laughs) of kind of uh, have so much wisdom and guidance and obviously I have a brother who's older than me and has been you know one of my best friends and such a dear mentor and I love him we have a great relationship Um, but I think that for me, uh, and it's interesting cause I'm in, I'm in seminary right now and in a learning environment, there's part of me as an eight that loves, um, loves the idea of being a five, but, uh, obviously I'm, I'm, uh, oh man, I, I feel like with, for instance, with my, with my brother, Michael, he can go into his, into his woodshed and just totally be alone. And for me, I can go into my woodshed, but I feel like I have to show everybody my woodshed <laughs> and be like, <laughs> <laughs> look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. <laughs> There's that seven
2: wing. You know, I, we've written some music together um, and, you know, I've been in some pretty creative environments with you. Uh, and one of the things I would say about you and not needing to be in control, I, I was, again, thinking on the way over here. So i we've done, you know, p- music together yeah. live. And- I know when you arrive at a gig, you may not be aware of it, but you're in control. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're like, there's not, I don't, I never feel like, like you're diplomatic, so there's some awareness there, but you are definitely in charge in the room. And everybody, whether they're in the band or not, feels
1: it. I mean, there's like an energy
2: field. You definitely have an energy field.
1: It's So uh, our, it's, it's, I have sometimes uh, my bandmates joke that it's like it's chaotic control and that it seems like it's chaos, but I have intentionality to it. Like in my mind, I'm like, okay, there is a plan, even if people from the outside look like, man, are they just flying by the seat of their pants right now? It's like for me, I, I have at least, I know a lot of times I'm going for. A feel Like, how do you describe this? And this sounds odd, but like, you know, you want a certain feel, you know, you want to get somewhere. And I've got kind of a path in which I want to get there creatively. But also, um, I'm not like the most organized person. You know, this a lot of times I would come into a place and I'd be like, okay, I just wrote this song or I just did this thing. And the wonderful thing about working with you uh, is because you have, a, a, you are an artist yourself. You take a lot of creative risk, right? Um, yeah, I'd like to think so. Yeah. And I, I like to work in an environment where I feel like there's trust for creative risk and to try out new things. Um, but if you're the type of personality that, you know, wants everything really planned and stick to the plan, then a lot of times I feel like it could be infuriating for a personality like me. Because on one side, I do have a plan, even though I might not be the best at articulating that plan. And I'm going with that plan no matter what kind of full steam ahead. Um, which can seem almost like, oh, I I could see that being, um, feeling, feeling just like chaos. Um, and yet Mm. because we've worked together enough and because we have that trust and I feel like I try to learn to be less chaotic, um, I felt a lot of empowerment. And when an eight, I feel like feels empowered, they can kind of thrive. Uh, and, right. and give back. So if they don't feel empowered, I feel like that's where we get, um, my slogan is kind of, you know, and this is terrible, but I always joke around and say this. I'm like, I'll oh, get out of my face, get out of my face, which is just like, don't, don't, don't get <laughs> in my way. Get out of my face. Let me, let me have room to breathe. Let me have room to, to be.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I worked with another guy who's also very talented, this guy, Rob Mathis, who has who's just like you, he would come rolling into things and he would be like, I stayed up all night. He's very, very intense like you. I stayed up all night and I wrote this song. He's amazing, you know? And I'd be like, oh, really? Yeah, I think it's a song cycle. There's four of them, you know? And I'd be like, oh my gosh. And then I would literally, we would have all this stuff planned that we were going to do and I would have to turn to the band and go, throw out the charts. <laughs> because it was like, but here's the deal. I trusted that what he brought in was as good or better than anything I had planned. So it, I would not have given people leeway if I knew, if I had any doubt or if I had significant doubt that this could not end well. <laughs> yeah. So that's a testimony to my trust in your talent and, and your, your skills. Well, thank you.
1: And I, I mean, I, I, not that people need to hear this, but it, it really was one of my favorite things. We, my family, we had four children, and we moved to New York from the Midwest And Kate and I, we had been married for almost 10 years and we had, uh, we'd always want to live in a big city. And then we end up in New York and to have you be on the East coast and us be able to come and see you. And we would come in, you know, at least, you know, a couple times a month and be able to spend time with you and, Anne. it was like heaven sent for us. It it just Mm -hmm. was, it was, you were our second family here on the East coast. And so for us to be able to have a a working, you know, relationship, but also just a friendship for our family. Was so dear and then to be able to be introduced to the enneagram in that way um and kind of struggle through that and wrestle through that it's like a gift that we'll always be grateful for well um, i'm america we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness at grand canyon university we believe in equal opportunity and the american dream starts with purpose to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.
2: Appreciate that, man. That, that means a lot. All right, so, you know, AIDS, uh, I was teaching this week and I had about 200 people in a class here in Nashville. I had a ball with them. And one of the things that uh, I've been doing uh, that's been so different and so exciting for me is I'm not lecturing anymore. Like I talk for a little bit and then I just bring up panels and I just interview people and it is so much more fun and so much, you talk about artistic risk because you don't know. I, you know, you may get four or five, three people up there that whew, could go bad on you, you know, but it it has been so like enlivening and fun to have that, and people just seem to dig it so much more, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they're they're so much more engaged. So we were talking this weekend with a group of fives. I mean, uh, with eights, and uh, just talking about vulnerability, confusing vulnerability with weakness, and how eights do that, and uh, as a central feature of the of that type. And one of the questions I asked him was, "When when have you felt in your life most vulnerable and weak and what ultimately was the effect of that experience on you? Like,
1: yeah. So what was that for you? Oh, see, you, you just know how to hit the eight pressure point. I feel like (laughs) every eight, because we want to be strong and because I feel like we want to be authentic, we really long for authenticity. Um, We become inauthentic. Because I want to say, and I know this sounds a little clumsy as I get there, but like, I want to really believe that I am being authentic with you and that I am being vulnerable with you. So I'll share a story right now that makes it seem like I'm being really vulnerable and I want to believe that I'm being really vulnerable, but the, the, the thing is. Eights at the very like core of them because at some loss of innocence or some loss of trust if you really feel like you betrayed an eight it's hard for us to ever now i what's uh, well we can dive into my story later a little bit more into where this sometimes gets a little confusing for me but i I feel like I'm very loyal to my family, right? You don't mess with my family. And if you've ever messed with my family, I, I almost feel like I go Aria on Game of Thrones, which for people who are not super nerds, <laughs> like she has a list of people, right? And I yep. almost have the thing of like, you don't mess with my family. I have my, my list and it doesn't mean that I hope that anything terrible happens to you, but I'm kind of done with you, right? And for me, I bring that back around saying like, dude, who am I vulnerable with? Because if I'm vulnerable with everybody, I think there's a part of me deep inside that almost doesn't trust that, you know, Mm -hmm. because at the core of me, somewhere along the line, I felt like innocence was taken away, which means I don't fully trust the world or everyone. And when I lean into that, the people who I do trust, I like really, really, really trust, you know? And so mm-hmm. to lean into the times of feeling like, when did you feel most weak or most vulnerable? I think it's the times that I hurt those who I trust mm. and then actually trying to deal with that. And it's still so hard to think about those, those times um, where you feel like you totally let someone... Down, You know, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, so I I said all of that to buy enough time to be like, do I really have to think of the time I was most vulnerable? Yeah. And and I'm a therapist. I can wait a long time. Yeah, I know. I know. I can watch a squirm a long time. So I so let's go some pressure points and maybe I'll just do. Here's my therapy session with you uh, for the world. Uh, I will I'll just maybe say some things and and maybe I'll end up landing on it going like that's it. Right. So by saying some things, I'll say some memories that I felt like maybe I brought shame on some, on some level to those who I trust most or love most. And I think for me, um, without going into too much detail, especially about names and that type of thing. My dad, when Mm -hmm. I was in junior high was, um, a mega church pastor. And, um, he ended up having an, an affair with essentially our nanny, right? Or a closest babysitter. And there were things that happened during that time where I was a kid and whatever you want to say, this is, I think on one level, I, I, um, well, I'll just say it. So I, I was, I was having dreams at that age at like seventh grade that my dad was having an affair with this person. And I would have these crazy nightmares and I would tell my dad about it. And at the time he lied to me Um, and just said, oh, I would never do that. You know, that's, that's crazy. And then I think what was weird is I was in such a hyper religious environment in Tulsa at a private Christian school that sometimes the way that people talked about dreams was hyper spiritualized, you know, that I ended up um really wrestling with when everything came out was was that God telling me this or was that and I I blamed myself for it like mm. the affair and then ended up there was a couple of moments that were really hard one of them was um one of them was too personal to share right now and I'm sorry that's I I'd say that for the protection of people I love but one of another one that I just will share was Uh, at the time we were really worried about my dad's safety when everything had come out, he couldn't be found. And we Mm -hmm. called this woman and my mom was on the phone and this woman who was like essentially, you know, a babysitter for years and years had said, uh, we're asking where it is. And I'm just in seventh grade and I'm just going, please, you know, I'm crying, please. Can you tell me if you know where he is? Can you please tell us? And she ends up, kind of apologizing and then she says and I'm too young to kind of process what's going on but she says to me, "I love you and I in response like really quickly just say, "I love you too but I knew my mom was on the phone and as soon as I said that I felt such shame because I felt like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, what did I just do to my mother? What did I just make her endure And that little moment, shaped so much tied with another moment of me kind of catching feeling like something was wrong with these dreams and a th- and a third incident that was even more real where my dad had lied to me when I felt like there was something going on I kind of caught something weird going on I felt like it was all my fault I felt like there mm. and so I felt like I had to keep their marriage together now luckily and through the grace of everything that is good and holy. My parents ended up working on their marriage. They've been married. That was over 20 years ago. They've been married and totally healthy. It's a great story of redemption. Um, but in the midst of that chaos, our family got super, super tight. And there were little other little traumas that would happen along the way that I think um, somehow I internalized um, feeling like, on some level I betrayed my mom and my biggest fear would ever be falling into the same type of traps that my father fell into or betrayal or those types of things. And you know, that eights tend towards lust, right? And it's more Mm -hmm. than just sexual lust, but just through all of those, I feel like for me, for with Kate, with everyone sometimes out of fear, you react certain ways and you get hostile in certain things and you get aggressive in certain ways. And when things come back up, they're like little triggers. So for instance, I I've been working in churches since I was a a young guy, like 18, got hired at a mega church in Michigan. They didn't know how old I was. And I started working as a worship leader for like high school and college groups at this large mega church. They ended up making me a youth pastor, worked there for four years, went to Tulsa, worked uh, at my parents' church. And then uh, they kind of joined with another church, worked there. Then I moved to Arizona, worked at another like, mega church again. And through all of these, in a matter of about you know 12 years, I had eight different leaders who had affairs in some way at churches. Mm. So, And each one was different and odd and i'll I'll share a few that kind of like maybe go like Ugh, get get a little ouch um because the the obviously everything had happened with my dad one of the people that came in during that time who was a family friend was a guy named ted haggard right and for a lot of people they may remember that name oh, because yeah mm-hmm. yeah ted ted had his own demons and his own scandal in uh at that at that time he made some decisions that really kind of had hurt our family and felt like a betrayal of trust. He he ended up taking mm-hmm. that woman and she's been totally fully life healed and and it's a beautiful story of redemption all the way around where she has a family and she's she's doing really well but she he had brought that woman to his church which we had family vacationed with these people and all of a sudden to feel like someone that's kind of a spiritual leader Take another woman, kind of not talk at all to your mom, you know, to once again, to this place of like who you feel like you have to protect. Um, later when everything had happened with him, the the feeling of betrayal again, back to when you're like a junior higher being like, wow, you were such a hypocrite. Then my first boss at the church I'm working at, uh, he had an affair. Then my next boss at the church I'm working at, he had an affair to then he, and he, the second guy at this church was, would always try to kind of claim himself to be, uh, my mentor, (laughs) even though, like, I would never say he was my mentor. He always like, he was my self-proclaimed mentor. And we, we ended up, I moved a worship leader that I was with, uh, under at my parents' church, I'm doing youth ministry, that worship leader dies end up getting into a freak thing he was 44 had a heart attack i'm now doing all this extended stuff and i moved to start a band and i end up moving to arizona and while i'm in arizona the senior pastor ended up having came out that he had eight affairs and i got laid off and so i'm like back in this place of like what am i doing with my life where do i even believe this anymore do i believe in like the church thing do i believe in the like the system that I'm in, I'm in like essentially a big business system for church, and I just felt despondent and felt tired. And luckily, um, a pastor in Houston, a guy named Chrissy, reached out and said, "Man, just um, why don't you come down here and just we'll we'll help you just have a place to just be for a while." And we didn't end up moving there. We ended up moving back to Tulsa and just kind of were with family for a bit, but I would go down there. I'm forever grateful to Chris. He's a dear friend Um, because he kind of gave me work in a time of like being like, do I really want to work in a church? And we ended Mm. up finding our way in New York with the person that I work with now. But the one thing from the very beginning was I was totally always honest about where I was at with Michael. He's the other pastor that I work with in Tribeca and i feel complete trust with him complete mm-hmm. trust and i can be really vulnerable with michael i feel like which was really important for me um but the people that i feel like i can be vulnerable with it's a small list mm-hmm. very small list like right th- that i can actually be honest with i feel like mm-hmm. um and so Part of that has been dealing with those own, you know, I, I say that long story of like, why did you tell the story of the eight people having the affair and the story of your dad and the story of, I feel like those things shaped me to be like, who can you trust? Who are your friends? I have been, my friends are people that usually, um, once you're my friend, you're a friend for a long time, but I don't have a ton of friends. I'm friendly with a ton of people and I have like a lot of casual friends, but people who are my friends are like my family. They're like my closest right confidence. Uh, And so once you're in, you know, Ian, you're in, you're, you're one of my godfathers, you know, it's like that, that's a certain level of trust that I have, but I feel like, and I have to wrestle with this of how do I guard my answer of vulnerability because I have only the people that I can trust, but how do I also be super vulnerable with the people that actually know me because mm -hmm. I still put up those walls, I feel like. Mm-hmm. and that's the practice that I'm in of yeah. trying to trying to do that and trying to recognize where my ego gets in the way or my pain gets in the way
2: thank you for your, your very vulnerable and and, and considered answer I, I think that's really helpful for people who are trying to you know become healthy AIDS or love someone uh, who isn't eight
0: be sure and join us next week on part two with David Gunger. And now we're going to feature a song that Ian wrote with David and David's partner, John Arndt. John and David make up the band called The Brilliance. And this song is the title track of the same name, Oh Brother. Enjoy. And we'll see you next week.